You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Back to Proof Text. We're continuing to record uh, discussions through the book of Galatians, and I'm with my uh, great friend, Michael Halcombe. How are you doing, Michael? I'm all right, Fred. How are you? Good. Doing really good. I'm in sunny Arizona, but it's probably still not as warm as where you are. No, it's it's uh, about 80 here today. So Yeah, hard to believe we're in the new year here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, yeah. we're going to continue with uh, verse 8. And, uh, of Galatians. Yeah, of Galatians. So chapter 1, verse 8. And what we're doing is uh, working through the Greek text. Uh, Michael provides a really good reading, and then we kind of talk about it, talk about its discourse features and other grammatical kinds of things, as well as consider historical background, uh, meaning, and then theological uh, implications and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. Michael, do you want to help us get started by just reading verse 8 for us? Yeah, sounds good. Um, sounds like this in Greek. Alake ean emis e angelos ex uranu evangelizete. You mean par o evangelisamatha, you mean anathema esto. Anathema esto. Yeah. All right. Well, the you know, one thing that I like to do when tackling sentences is to identify the conjunction. And I think mm-hmm. default is to have a connector uh, that starts. And here we have an Allah. And right. A law constrains the discourse as a correction. Yeah, oftentimes we think of it as but, as a big but, but that's not quite enough of an understanding. So Paul, let me, let me, uh, what, what do you think? Do you consider alake as a conjunctive pair or do you consider them just as individual entities? Are they working together as one unit? Um, almost like a single word, or do you see them differently? The first well, two words. I, mean, la, I, I think you can find them paired together. Uh, this ke is not meaning and in English, right? Uh, translating as and, but is uh, adding uh, what what uh, Rungi calls th- its a thematic addition. So also, but also, so it's it's correcting by way of adding an alternative um, kind of parameter, I would say. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's interesting to kind of consider them as a pair. Um, what do you think about that, uh, doing the ke more as an even um, rather than a, an uh, you didn't also, I believe, but so, but even if so, and that, that actually raises, um, you know, the question of maybe the three work, how the three are working in conjunction, but, mm-hmm. um, so you have, but also if, uh, does it change the meaning much at all? If we, we do, but even if. Yeah. I mean, even would be, uh, setting it off as a what's it called? It's it's setting it off more directly. But even if we or an angel from heaven preaches to you contrary to what we preach to you, let 
him be anathema. So I think the even does work here. Um, yeah, so that this is, uh, I mean, as a translation option, I think it, it does work. Uh, but even, I mean, it's interesting to think of the constraint of ka as addition. And sometimes that comes across in English as an and, sometimes as an also. Mm-hmm. Even is kind of harder to fit in in that, um, except that it's, I think it's, in this case, you'd be adding like an additional situation to consider with a pretty stark, you know, uh, uh, striking com- imperative at the end, let them be accursed. I mean, well, let, let's, I think, I think we got to maybe back up one and in, in one step and say the obvious, right? That this is obviously you mentioned it's a conjunction. So it's connecting to what's come before. So let's not forget verse seven. Mm-hmm. And we have essentially an uk Allah construction, right? Um, where you have the Ouk Estin Alo in verse seven, uh, but here you have the Alake. What do you think? You think it's an Ouk Allah construction, or would you take typically, issue? With yeah, that? I mean, t- typically with Allah, but we look for an Ouk, a prior Ouk, or a May. And I think in this case, we have a couple options, but I mean, I think mm-hmm. it is, which is not another. And then we have the exception clause, which yeah. we had last time. So both of those are kind of negative ideas but the so yeah I, I do think it works with that ook which is not another but if indeed or if also we or you know someone else preaches a different gospel so i think that's the correction um you know so we're talking about a gospel that is another of a same kind alos or we have a gospel which is of a different kind heteros that's kind of on the table and i think right. Time I suggested that there's a swiping off of a table, and then Paul I think sets up another table and puts puts something else that's happening on another t- table, and really it's 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 focused on the those troubling you, that they're the ones that are in focus who are wanting those troubling you and wanting to change the gospel of Christ, so they're squarely on the table, so it's almost like the gospel table. Paul's trying to retain it. You know, it's really only one gospel, but there is another kind of thing that's happening with those who are troubling you and then changing the gospel. But um, so there is not another gospel, but if a, a, a gospel is proclaimed differently, then let that person be anathema. So yeah, I do think it goes back. Yeah. To the, this is interesting too. Um, I mean, one of my, I guess, this has kind of become a hang-up of mine in the last couple of years, especially as I was working through uh, Revelation. I had preached through Revelation for a year, and then I uh, taught it a couple times in the last uh, year or so. So I've been kind of obsessed <laughs> uh, with the word angelos. Yeah. And one of my f- ongoing frustration or peeves is that that, the, the rush to accept the transliteration of that as angel rather than maybe the translation of it as messenger. And so yeah. I think, I think it could shade our understanding of what the letter is meaning or saying what Paul's meaning or saying, if we don't render that angel out of heaven or an angel out of heaven, but 
perhaps we or a messenger from heaven. Um, and I do wonder, I'm not saying that is the case here for sure, but could the troublemaker or the head of the troublemakers who've come behind Paul and Galatia be claiming that they are messengers of heaven, um, that they they have been sent as a sort of royal envoy, uh, as a corrective to Paul. I know that, mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people that that probably doesn't seem so obvious, but I think maybe that's only because we have been so prone to seeing Angelos as a transliteration rather than yeah. a translation. Yeah. I agree with your concern. I, I think um, that Angelos, we should take it as messenger and then look for contextual constraints here. It is from heaven. Right. Um, so that would suggest that Angelos by itself wouldn't necessarily mean from heaven. It, it would just be a messenger. Um, I, I tend to think though, that this is Paul is speaking uh, hypothetically a bit. Um, and you know the, the suggestion that maybe this is what the opponents or the missionary rivals are claiming that you know i think that could be liable to the charge of mirror reading but you know right. yeah. kind of accuse people of doing that i mean when we're trying to you know, reconstruct the context we always have to pay attention to nuances and reconstructions and then people can just say ah you're mirror reading that is you're you're trying to read something back into the situation that is only in an idea that you have that you then see mirrored in the text. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I, in my, from my perspective, Michael, the aeon, the type of condition that this is makes it's a, I would, I consider this a present general truth condition. So you have aeon with the subjunctive mm. followed by a, an imperative, which some people could take as future time orientation but I tend to think of imperatives as like present tense, like this is what you should do now. So if ever someone preaches a contrary gospel, whether it be us or even an angel from heaven, let them be anathema. Yeah. Um, so if you read John, for example, um, whenever he uses the prepositional phrase uh, with kataveno, it's it seems clear that I mean he even talks about artos ox uranu katavas right the bread the loaf of bread coming from heaven or um, you know he can talk in ozoon ox tu uranu katavas right uh, that's Jesus saying I am the bread of life or the living bread the living one coming down from heaven so Jesus is described as coming down from heaven, but the, with the verb kataveno, um, it seems like it is talking about, I guess, a, a divine or a celestial figure. But if you read like, um, what is it in, uh, well, in first Corinthians, Paul talks about a person from heaven an anthropos ex uranu. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, curious about whether yeah. we have to read this as angel yeah um, yeah i don't know I would, i'd be okay translating as messenger and leave it open whether this yeah, is yeah. someone's claiming as like an earthly person claiming to be a messenger from heaven right, right. a supernatural being 
you know, uh, but I, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you raise a good point. Is this human scale or is there, or, or is Paul speaking a bit hyperbolically that even if, uh, you know, an angel from heaven mm-hmm. yeah, preaches to you, par o, well, perhaps we should just take a little break here, right? <laughs> Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a little break and hear a word from our uh, sponsor and then we'll be right back. So listen to this. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glosa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glosahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glosa House, language resources for the global community. All right, we're in the middle of verse 8 of Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. And we're, we've been thinking about what does this angel from heaven mean? And then we're looking or at... messenger. What? Or messenger? Messenger yeah. from heaven? And then the yeah. verb, evangelizum, uh, ome. <clears throat> Which, what do you take here? I mean, that, that verb is repeated twice. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean, should I take, like... What I guess rephrase your question. Is it related to Evangelion? The idea of preaching the good news? Is it the same kind of idea except put in a verbal form? It seems like it is. Yeah, someone who will declare the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that essentially the kingliness or uh, royalty of Jesus. Um, so, yeah, he's saying, but also if we or an angel or a messenger... Uh, from heaven mm-hmm. should declare or preach, should gospelize. Um, and you can turn it into a verb, right? Should gospel another gospel or a gospel. They, they should gospel a gospel other than what, you know, we did. Um, yeah. So I think, and yeah. that, that's kind of fun to think about turning gospel into a verb back into a verb, you know, announce the good news i think would be one way to do it but yeah yeah but i mean just i like i like that the rawness of just keeping it as a verb like even in our translation Mm -hmm. um gospeling you know i gospeled yesterday or yeah um, what does it it mean that there's someone's gospeling contrary to what we gospeled to you so para with the O there in the middle of verse 8 is a preposition with the accusative uh, object. Mm-hmm. Uh, people normally take that as contrary. Um, what, so what kind of message is being spoken here? Or is yeah, this- that's great. I, I think it's something that decenters the kingship of Jesus, right? Um, that impinges upon the royalty of Jesus. Um, and we, we're going to get some specifics of that later. Again, it's, we, we talked already about circumcision becomes sort of front and center and then diet becomes uh, an issue. So the people are coming behind Paul from my perspective, 
are bringing these things into the picture that are impinging upon uh, the kingship of Christ at the center. Mm. It's interesting. I'm looking at para. I mean, para is one of those prepositions that can occur with every case, genitive, dative, and accusative. Mm-hmm. And with the accusative, when, when I think of the accusative case, it's a case of extension. And that's kind of what they're saying here. Uh, marker of a position views as extended, um, which begins to have maybe a different kind of sense rather than just simply flat out like contrary to um yeah i always describe what we evangelized you so extending beyond you know that kind of fits the situation right is that paul seems to have preached the gospel others came behind him and extended it yeah yeah that's why i was saying i always always when i deal with Para, I always talk about it in terms of proximity, whether we're dealing with genitive, dative, or accusative. I think the idea here is one of proximity that you've it's moved beyond or farther than or in a different direction than beyond than which. what was originally gospelized to you or gospeled yeah. to you. Wow. Yeah. So it's a marker of comparative advantage in comparison to more than beyond that gets that beyondness. But yeah, that's that's quite interesting. So it's close, but it's beyond. It's it's going beyond what was initially preached. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that really seems to fit the exigency, the the rhetorical situation as we can reconstruct it. Is that these people added something on, and that seems to be Torah observance, Torah observances mm-hmm. coming under the law. Yeah. As we see. We're getting the mosaic law, yeah. The mosaic law, the mosaic covenant. And what do you make of this last expression? So, esto uh, ananthema. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's such an interesting thing. I mean, when you think about it, I guess, especially in Middle Eastern terms, um, for someone to be considered anathema is someone who has breached. Uh, breached the religion or breached the faith, mm. right? Um, and this this carries with it all sorts of connotations socially as well. Uh, your your family will when when you've uh, breached the faith, your family will often um, be at a distance from you or shun you or these sorts of things. I, I know, I remember one time we had a discussion. You have a little bit of a different take on this, if I remember correctly. What, open what question. So the word anathema uh, can mean either devoted, like a votive offering to God, or uh, being accursed. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically something that's put into the realm of God, and it could be bad or positive. Um Typically, I like to think of it as something bad, like to, to say something is, is set aside, accursed. And I'm wondering whether this is this might be a part of some kind of synagogal formula of excommunication. And if it's not maybe synagogal. Yeah, that's Jewish, the word I was looking for was excommunication. Yeah, said yeah, yeah. To some kind of excommunication practice. And uh, I haven't had time to, to try to run that down. I just suspect that 
it might be. And what would be interesting, if that is true, then this could be turning what the missionary rivals were doing, is they were going around and kicking people out. And Paul is turning that around and saying, let them be kicked out. Mm -hmm. Let them be kicked out in an ironic way, um, perhaps within the realm of kind of ancient Jewish thinking, or it may be just uh, like a club association kind of thinking. Right. Uh, But yeah, I'm just curious about that. It's always struck me as maybe this is a communal act uh, here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a, I think it's way more potent in Eastern religions, especially Middle Eastern. But I have a I have a a person in the congregation where I serve here, and uh, she was raised Buddhist, and um, much into her adulthood was still a Buddhist, and she became a Christian. I know, like when in in our North American context we don't tend to think about idolatry in real ways. So we, we kind of do this thing where we say, you know, Oh, working can become idolatry or money, but you know, in, in Eastern religions, idolatry is still a very real thing. Um, They, they literally have idols, right? So um, her, her mother had spent a lifetime and she died just last year. I preached her mom's funeral, but her mother, she accepted Christ, right? before she passed Mm -hmm. anyways her mother spent a lifetime collecting these buddhist idols right i mean really 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 fancy ones like super expensive if somebody comes into your house and they see these idols they know you have money Mm -hmm. right um and so this lady in my congregation sort of inherited all those and she became a christian and started like whenever she would host people from the church over to her house, she would put all the idols away, the Buddhist <laughs> idols. And then whenever they'd leave, she'd put them back. Right. And it just so happened that uh, one of the church people was in her neighborhood one day and unexpectedly stopped in and asked if she could come in and use the restroom or something like that. And all the idols were out. Right. Uh-oh. And the, the lady was saying, Whoa, what is this? You know, why, why are all these, I've never seen these before. All the times I've been over here, like, why are these out? And and that really convicted the, the person in our congregation. And yes. she took each of these idols outside, like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, decades spent collecting these things and smashed them all on the ground. Wow. What a small um, act. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was... I guess when I think of anathema, I kind of, I kind of have that that story running a little bit in the back of my mind too. Where, from her family's perspective, she's now become anathema. But, um, you know, yeah, the the idols to her were anathema. So yeah. she she expelled them, or what was the word you just used? Excommunicated them. Excommunicated, yeah. But in turn, she was excommunicated. <laughs> And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This, this, this expression, uh, let them be an anthema occurs at the end of second Corinthians, uh, uh, or first Corinthians 
uh, chapter 1622. So 1622, if someone does not love the Lord, let them be anathema. I mean, whoa, that is, that's mm-hmm. pretty serious stuff. And the condition there is uh, is a present simple, like E with the indicative, you know, if, which I think would suggest kind of more of a concrete situation. Hmm. So here hmm. in Galatians then, I mean, if you look at our lexicon BDAG, they, they describe this as a formula, you know, so a formula and what kind of context, presumably this is a communal context. And I, I just suspect that this is a communal act. And I, I think it's a reminder to me that some things are off limits, right? I mean, like we were bounded in our communities, like whether I mean, we, it would be nice to just be completely inclusive and everyone is accepted and uh, there's no, no one has any problems with anyone else in our belief system, behaviors or actions, but that simply is not reality. In mm-hmm. reality, there are distinctions and those distinctions of behavior, the, the way that we behave will sometimes put us in a position where we are outside of the community and, right. and maybe even a danger uh, to the community in such a case there is a communal response and that is an excommunication. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, does anathema function sort of like a negative amen uh, where, you know, amen or amen is just, may it be, let it be, so be it. Whereas anathema is more like a, a negative form of that. May it be excommunicated. May it be cursed. May it be sent out. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And I, th- I think um, I think the important thing to say is that if we do this, it's it's really putting people into God's hands, right? But it's, it's yeah. saying, look, we're trying to be faithful. There's a parameter here. There's something that's been broached that is not acceptable within our community. So we wish you well, but we cannot have you in our community. Like, you're in God's hands. I think that's kind of an important thing to be saying. Like you're in the realm that God is going to be dealing with you. Now we do see Paul doing this in first Corinthians five and basically does. Yeah. We hand this person over to Satan so that his flesh can be destroyed, but that, that his spirit would be saved. So there's yeah. always a salvific intent to it, but um, there is a real danger with having people who are behaving and acting and beliefs quite contrary. Yeah. I've had to do that once in my ministerial career here um, where I had to just tell a person, you are no longer welcome here. Mm. Um, And that is, that is extremely difficult. And it happened within the first several weeks of me like starting. Wow. Uh, There was a, you know, a a troublemaker, (laughs) so to speak. And, uh, that that's finally, I guess, somewhat been resolved. But the person uh, was, yeah. I mean, that that's really hard to do to follow church discipline to that yeah. extent, especially when you're a new pastor yeah. and you're trying to get a new leadership, you know, a new board, for example, behind you on this. Yeah. And uh, boy, it's really difficult. I I don't know personally anyone else who's ever done that like told somebody you are no longer welcome here, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Was, I think I remember you talk, talking with me about that, sharing a little bit. So verse yeah. eight has what I would call a present general condition. 
And so this right. is this means it's a generalized truth, okay? But we're going to see in the next verse that he repeats himself, but he changes the construction. So we want to make sure that you you join us to mm-hmm. talk about the verse nine of chapter one. Michael, do you have a parting thought for us? Yeah, I do. Um, this comes from Corey Ten Boom, and she says this. Uh, by the way, she's a Holocaust survivor. If you don't know Corey Ten Boom, but she says, "I've experienced his presence." in the dark, deepest, darkest hell that men can create. I have tested the promises of the Bible, and believe me, you can count on them. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again this new year, 2022, and uh, we look forward to having you listen to us next time. Aloha.